Kristen whispers sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat. Hello. <laughs> it's uh, late tonight and I always record these on Mondays and I tonight just feel really excited because I had a, a new poem that came out um, for this new book that I, well, it's a new and old book that I'm doing because it's my um, old book, Puritan You, which is um, very special and um, I, I'm going to use the word sacred to me because a lot of religious words always come up um, when I think of this book because I was raised very religious, but I'm an atheist now because the people who raised me who were religious were also abusive and it kind of ruined, you know, any, um, I just don't, you know, it's hard for me to um, separate those two things. And I, and I realized that's my issue and all of that, but at the same time, it is what it is, and I, I have a very hard time with religion, although, you know, I have a lot of friends who are religious, um, you know, I, it's, you know, on a personal level, I understand it, I, I just, myself, I can't ever, ever want to, you know, continue with that, so, um, <laughs> it's emotional. So, I had the opportunity to do a deluxe edition of Puritan You with a different press and called Hedgehog Poetry, which has been my um, primary publisher through my poetry career so far and just have felt so lucky to um, have found that publisher right very early on. He um, kind of, you know, I, he used to have a literary magazine and I would always submit to it. And it was one of those people who really made you feel like, oh, you have a, a special talent here and, and I want to encourage it. And it, I can't even tell you how much it, it meant and shape, shaped, you know, my whole future, really. Because, um, you know, I, I felt like when I, um, I could submit a book to him and he immediately accepted it. And we've had a great working relationship ever since then. And, you know, it's just that perfect I hope for everyone that they have a publisher who treats them with like the respect and with the unconditional love is, is how I would call it that I have at Hedgehog and I know that's not even um, in the publishing world I, I've worked with other publishers and I have had very good experiences and but there's just something you know you know, just like every, any kind of relationship, you have those people who, you know, will do their job for you and they work for you within their job. And then you have the people who, for whatever reason, you just have this bond with that, you know, they would do whatever they could do for you. And that's how I feel with Hedgehog. And I feel so safe to have a book that's very emotional and about uh, a lot of 
very personal things and my abuse as a child, but also my survival in the second section, which um, Succubus Alumnus, the second section, is a lot about the survival and, you know, what kind of a person are you as an adult when you come out of this? And it's not all easy. It's not all, like, you know, (laughs) you're this perfect person either. You have um, ways that, you know, you have difficulties dealing with people. So anyway, let me read a poem because I'm t- I could talk and talk and talk on this one and never read a sonnet. And, and that would be sad, at least for me. So I'm going to read Succubus Alumnus, which, which just came out today. Um, Succubus Alumnus, disrobing demonic anatomy, you discover whilst you're unbuttoning in a palace of partial nudity. Demoniac wings, shadow-veined, webbing across their modest span, spied in mirror, cash in hand. Topless succubus in a g-string, glittered, grad school dropout, flitters, shrewd, stilettos, spring with new nude name, nomenclatures, everything. Puritans point you out as whore, but angels blinks above oak double doors held open by some man, costume bag in another's hand. Beloved metamorphosis remakes in cash cocoon, succubus alumnus to drain men soon. Okay, and so... Um, when I wrote Puritan You, I, I I was looking actually because I didn't want to put the name of the school that I I went to, you know, right on the cover and and kind of you know make a battle with that religion. I was trying to um, find a way to say even not the word Christian, and I liked the word Puritan, you know, because it just conjures a lot of you know ideas about not just a Christian, but a certain kind of religious person who, you know, is extreme and who maybe is hypocritical and, you know, that, that it's beyond, it's its its own thing. <laughs> and so I, I really enjoyed and was glad that I found that word, but in finding it and, and being abused by people who I called Puritans. I also had this image of myself because I was always a very um, sensual child, sexual, you know, like uh, I, I didn't like to wear clothes, though that was totally forbidden, you know. I, I remember, um, you know, I mean, in, in my culture, I mean, I was supposed to wear things very covering, you know, and, it, and anything that happened to me because I wore something um, whorish, you know, that I would be called that a lot, that would be my fault, you know, I mean, there's, that wasn't a debate that it would be my fault, it would be my fault, so, but just my natural element, I was, like, I would do things sometimes when I was able to, where I would, like, sleep in my closet, um, and I would take off all my clothes and sleep in my closet because I just wanted to sleep nude, but that wasn't allowed in my culture, but, and I'd love to take baths because I, you know, I was always, um, like I would 
you know, touch myself in the bath and things like that. I found, you know, even in my secret ways, I was expressing like a hedonism, even when I was a child that, you know, would have gotten me into a lot of trouble had I, you know, been discovered or anything like that. But at the same time, it felt like necessary to do it. So anyway, I started to think of myself because people call you these, you know, names like this, your own parents call you a whore. You start to think of yourself or they call you a demon or something like that. I started to think of myself as a succubus. And so when I wrote this poem, it was, it was about the first time that I started stripping and you know, I did feel very like you know, I was embracing the succubus side and that I was going to drain men of their money and they would pay. You know, it was easy to feel that like revenge kind of feeling because I had been, I had paid in my own way to men or a specific man for a long, long time. And it felt kind of powerful and maybe not a great way um, to do it the other way. So anyway, that's kind of what that poem is about. And um, anyway, the, um, I'm going to read another one called Start Spreading Your Legs. And it's also about from Succubus Alum, Puritan U, Succubus Alumnus. And it's about um, roll call at the strip club that I worked at, which was always we would walk out to the song um, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra, which was kind of ironic because... You know, I live in Pensacola, Florida, and a lot of the girls, I had been to New York because of um, my experiences in BDSM, but a lot of the girls had not been. And so, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, <laughs> a little bit ironic. But at the same time, we made it, anything you do in any kind of job, like whether you have a naked job or you have whatever, um, people, you know, if you're forced to sing a song or, or greet say hi when people walk in a door or anything like that you're going to start making a joke of it or a little ritual that you do that makes it seem not so humiliating the way these forced um things that you have to do in a job are and so we were forced to walk around on a stage and let men pick us out like we we're all dressed up and they would pick us pull us off the stage to get a table dance once an hour it was called roll call and it was very humiliating because not only you know we'd play this song but if you didn't get picked you had to dance on the stage with whoever the other girls who were not chosen and it very much felt like elementary school like being picked for teams and you know you didn't get picked or get picked last you know if you got picked first you know, you kind of felt like a good omen for the night because, you know, oh, the men here, you know, in this crowd, you're the most popular. You got pulled off the stage first. And it was all about everything working in a strip club is little games you play with yourself to make it feel, um, you know, palatable to do this and, and like ego games you play in your mind. Like, oh, I, I got picked before this girl tonight, you know, and whatever it, it, you know, there was so much competition that it was crazy. And like, and people would, you know, rub it in too. I mean, it was like a lot of people that worked there were not that mature of people. They, uh, one, they were young. A lot of them were only like 18 years old and they hadn't, um, you know, a lot of them were abuse victims. So they, you know, maybe a little bit stunted too about, cause like I was, you know, where, 
it was just, you know, it was a hard, it was a very, very hard thing for a person. Like I had, um, you know, eating disorder and I, you know, I was very insecure about my body. So anyway, saying all this, I'm going to read this poem about, um, doing, participating in the roll call and how we would, for, to try to get through it and make it funny and make it not so dramatic, we would sing to ourselves or behind the stage, we would, we would belt it out and sing, start spreading your legs instead of start spreading the news. Start spreading your legs after New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. Small town strippers Sing appropriation of Frank Sinatra lyrics. A place most haven't been. Roll call, sedition, satirizing traditional disgrace of pacing in a line to old blue eyes, lies, until somebody will remove you from the stage with cash. You'll wait to cry, strip club schoolgirl, desperate to prove you are choosable not like the playground teams, until you're safely inside dressing room, locked bathroom stall, where mock anthems mean the same, bikinis or cheerleader costumes. They wanted, did not want you for your sex. Adapted lyrics for small town sex objects. So, (laughs) um... Yeah, I've said enough about that poem, I think, but you get the feeling. But it it was one of those things where as much as anybody would give you any trouble about roll call, everybody feared that. Everybody feared that rejection, and it was just almost like literally going back to everyone's nightmare that you're on the playground again, and no matter how popular you are, you never want to be in that position. And the thing about a strip club is it's not always, you know, it's, it's a group it's a crowd but the where i lived it's it's tourist town so yeah you had some local regulars but they weren't really the ones who spent a lot of money on table dances and things like that they stayed at the bar and might give you a few dollars for you know talking to them for a few minutes but the men who you know would be pulling you off a stage that you'd make a lot of money off of it changed all the time they were um, they came from everywhere and they were, um, they were businessmen who would come down here, uh, lawyers to, um, we have a lot of litigation here. There would be, um, a lot of pharmaceutical salesmen that I sat with, uh, doctors, uh, uh, surgeons, uh, but, uh, you know, there were some surgeons that traveled from another city that was three hours away because they didn't have, um, strip clubs there. And so it was always a lot of different um, bodies, and that meant that on one night, you know, you could be, feel like, oh, why, why did I even choose to work here? No man likes me. And the next night, you're the princess of this crowd, and because everybody had different types of men that liked them. So it was, you know, <laughs> it was all things you had to make peace with like that. And I'm going to end tonight on a poem that I am really lucky I wanted when I did this book and I got the chance to expand it I was I was actually creating a little book that I was calling woman childish and now I've incorporated it into this big book because Puritan you succubus alumnus is turned into 
I mean, beyond a full length, it's right now at 120 pages. So, and, you know, it's, it's a great, you know, if, if you like my work and you haven't, um, you know, gotten all, all the other little books, there's some, it's kind of, it spans a whole lot of topics that some of the other books do. So it's really good book um, to start with and learn a lot about <laughs> my very broad range of experiences in my life. And anyway, <laughs> I'm going to read you this poem, Woman Childish. And it, it's, it was been on my brain this week because I got into an argument with someone who I really like. And, you know, it was, a, it was a, you know, one of those times when you just feel like, you have to fix this because you know you've acted out of just like anger, misplaced anger is all I can say. You know, um, I try not to do that with, but I definitely do that with men sometimes, especially men who, you know, are in some kind of position of where I'm looking up to them in a way. And I feel you know, a paternal kind of thing because that's hard for me because, you know, I don't as much as I want that, I'm not good at having a paternal figure at times because I haven't had a successful relationship like that. So it's, you know, um, anyway, I got into a fight with a friend and I hope I mended it, you know, because it was my fault. And anyway, and this, I'm dedicating this poem um, because this is, you know, about that kind of rage that lives inside me at times and how it comes out and I get I let it live in this poem sometimes you know it's good thing for poetry for me is just to write it out and let it live in the space and not take something out on another person so here's woman childish for those who chose to fuck with me I mean reproductively most seem to want to make a baby face contorted, pained, between a pillowcase. Your throbbing veins that break more than a woman childish heart. You found inside a bar, so old enough, at least the parts, you squeeze into and wrap around to make appointed little sounds. For beast, your sweetest, sacrificed. Expect small prey to play as nice and passive as a face neither consented to nor designed. Days deprived of air, debased, maligned. Just brace yourselves for tantrums in this pretty head. You took something woman childish to bed. And <laughs> So that's another kind of, you know, how that's what a lot of the second half, what I call the addendum of Puritan Youth Succubus Alumnus is, is a bunch of exhibits and exhibit includes several poems on a theme and a lot of it's how, you know, different ways of how, you know, you survive what you've been going through, you know, um, like all your life because of something someone else did to you and, at the same time, you're still responsible for what you do. And so I'm always, you know, trying to be aware of that and be a better person. And, you know, even if I'm not always an adult about it and I am woman childish.
But speaking of warm and childish, it's getting late. And I hope you have something to snuggle because I have my unicorn and I'm going to go get in bed and try to relax and I hope you do too. And we will get together again next Monday and I want to just say thank you for always listening to my podcast. It means so much to me. And I will see you next week on Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat.